1: This episode of Culture Vulture was brought to you by our mates at part-time rangers. Because why wouldn't you want to save wildlife while you sip? Hello everyone. Welcome back to your favourite pop culture podcast. Um, Don't know why it's your favourite because me and Liv are chaotic and we get shy every time we come
2: on the mic. <laughs> has that become a tagline do you reckon? Your favourite pop culture podcast. Yeah but always with a
1: caveat that like no one has said it's their favourite except for a few people when we forced them to. And <laughs>
2: always like... with a humble caveat just to make sure that people don't think we're big headed.
1: Literally. Oh that's so New Zealand eh? Always just yeah. taking ourselves down and not cutting ourselves
2: down before anyone else can do it to us
1: (laughs) yeah like we don't actually think we're that good everyone okay
2: (laughs) we're actually kind of sure how did we get this job but thank you for listening (laughs) we just made it up ourselves anyway
1: anyway so that's quite a big um humble caveat (laughs) uh as always joined with Schmivy shmiv (laughs) what describes your week should we get straight into it or should we talk about should we talk about what we're going to
2: be discussing today Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's do the co-puppet of today's episode. Um, We are talking about R. Kelly. We We are. kind of. This has been on the cards for a while, and now he's sort of back in the news cycle because of his imprisonment, which is fucking fantastic. So we thought we would kind of run through everything that went on with him, because I didn't really know, Luce, and I know that neither did you.
1: I had covered snippets of it in the newsletter, and then... When I actually looked into like what went down, it's fucking horrific. And the way that he used his power, like
2: it's just unspeakable. It is. And there's there's just too much to cover. Like the amount of shit that went down and the way he behaved for decades, basically his whole adult life, is just yeah. Beyond words, but we're going to try and kind of do a quick rundown of that for you.
1: Yeah, because I feel like it gives huge, like, Michael Jackson vibes, Harvey Harvey Weinstein vibes, like, Jeffrey Epstein vibes. It's just another one of these huge cases where the dude thinks they're untouchable and it's just completely, completely fucked. But before we get into that, Liv, what describes
2: your week this week? Okay, I've fully, fully, fully given up on the cultural sort of... Um, same what are they called, metaphors or whatever. Um, this one I probably wouldn't even know because I don't know any cultural sports analogies or fucking TV shows or anything. Um, but this week close I was a student of rugby, um, so we got given tickets to the All Blacks game, which was very, very privileged. But Thank
1: you to whoever yeah. decided shit you should care about must be at the
2: All Blacks. Literally. So Luce and Ruby, they're in Australia at the moment. So I went and I took my friend Evie and um, we were basically like, yeah, free piss, <laughs> some free food, let's go. Hadn't watched rugby for a good, like, 15 years on my behalf so didn't know like could not name a single all black except for Bowden Barrett because he's always in the media but apart from that could not name a single all black which is really embarrassing and so Evie and I spent our Saturday afternoon just watching like YouTube videos of rugby coverage and trying to like study the the squad like we literally sat there for hours like watching all blacks run down who was playing in the Irish team like what the predictions were. Like, I don't think I've watched the All Blacks, and this is like,
1: yeah, okay, bad Kiwis, but I don't think I've watched them play or really got into it since, like, the World Cup, like, in the year with Richie McCaw and Dan Carter. That was like... Yes,
2: I fully thought they still played. Oh, like, I'm not... No, well, I knew they didn't, but they were the last All Blacks that I could, like... That was a legendary team. Like... Yeah. It, oh, and speaking of Dan Carter and Richie McCaw... Walk into the lounge, whatever. <laughs> like, literally, Evie and I, at the youngest by 20 years, we're like the only young girls there feeling like super out of place. I'm like checking in my coat, look over, and I said, Evie, oh my God, Dan Carter behind you. And then we see Richie McCall later on. Honestly, it was a wild experience. And it's funny so, because yeah, look. very out of place. Like-
1: in any of our day to day lives, we could be sitting in a cafe with like a current all black and like most people would know that. <laughs> oh. But no, give us the ones from you would 10 not years have a ago. a
2: clue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're starstruck. Because
1: they were probably like, like you would have, there would have been other like buzzy ass current people.
2: But because we know yeah, nothing. Yeah, but I wouldn't have been able to. Oh, nah, not at all. Not at all. Oh. So that was my week loose. How about you? How's, um, how's Sydney treating you? Well, it's funny
1: you say that because what describes my week is Rain because Sydney is just like all it is is just rain. Like,
2: we are both so creative. No, we so.
1: I didn't even try. I was gonna say it's raining men, but like, literally, I'm spending all my time with Ruby. There's not, there's not like <laughs> men in the life.
2: Ruby and Ruby's boyfriend,
1: literally. So, it's raining one man, but yeah. Um, Rubes and I also went and watched the rugby uh, in a pub here in Sydney. And no men there. Got mm. Lots of men there. Um, but it was it was all Kiwis, which is so funny because, of course, it was. But it was so packed. Ruby said to me, won't well, even be that busy because it's just the All Blacks. Like, no Australian teams playing. And we got there and it was like... Me and Ruby were like these little minions, couldn't see anything, just
2: running around. Like you know, Again, like, like anyway. totally underestimating the cultural impacts that rugby has, like Again, all over like, the world.
1: I know, like honestly, everyone. It's lucky that me and Liv aren't hosting a sports podcast.
2: Because, oh, <laughs> well, honest to God, because I'd just well, be regurgitating the squad and that number. No, is that honestly, not what we just actually do? I learned about do? backs and forwards for the first time in my life. Yeah, and I i Am not even there, and my dad's a
1: referee and has been a rugby referee his entire life. And <laughs> nice sorry, that you Dad, so
2: much interest in your in what your dad's doing, but that's it's right. funny because none,
1: like, of all the sports, none of the three boys cared about rugby. I didn't care about rugby. Like, Dad
2: loves rugby,
1: and we all just win chose – Like, they chose fucking cycling and Formula
2: One. Like, <laughs> yeah, probably just to go against him because that's yeah, what you literally. do when you're
1: a kid. It is, and when you're an adult, anyway, Liz. Um, <laughs> Glad we've had great super unique sort of random weeks. Also miss you, Sydney. Um
2: oh, miss you too. It's not believe the I'm same. Be two weeks in the office on my lonesome.
1: Two weeks distance recording this podcast, which distance I know it sounds great still. It's not the same.
2: It's not. <laughs> it doesn't it feel doesn't, the same. It does not feel the same at all, but we're we're making the most of it. Lucy's on this huge screen in front of me and I'm absolutely loving it.
1: It's it's so, it's actually fun having someone just on a screen talking to you. It yeah. reminds me of TikTok.
2: <laughs> your face is bigger than it usually is. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm
1: kidding, I'm kidding. How you get your socialisation, TikTok. <laughs> it's just, it's got to feel gamified. It's got to yeah. feel like I'm on my iPhone.
2: <laughs> Literally. I prefer it. I think we connect better this way anyway. Yeah. Right
1: Liv, I've got a quick naughty or nice to start us off today. And it's not really like, a naughty or a nice. It's more just a story or a piece that I sort of wanted to read to you. Um, so, interestingly enough, this is about Halsey, who mm. I feel like, live in me and your day-to-day life, we don't really listen to her music, we don't, like, follow what she's up to very often or whatever, but she seems to always make her way onto this podcast.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, it, yeah, as you said, it's not a good representation. I... Can't remember the last time I even thought about Halsey, apart from researching for Culture Vulture.
1: I know, because she's really good at speaking up about like abortion rights, about like young people getting access to the pill or the medication they need, and like she's really she really thrives when like she's not scared not scared to speak up about her own personal experiences. But she wrote a piece for Vogue after the obvious news about the overturning of Roe v Wade and I just sort of wanted to read it to you because it's quite jarring and I missed it in the news cycle and I thought if I missed Mm. it then a bunch of other people probably did too so I wanted um I wanted the Culture Vulture listeners to hear it too and just before I get into this um Content warning, I'll be talking about miscarriages, and she does get quite um, in-depth when she describes them. Obviously, it's her experience, so we fully love that for her. But if you don't want to listen to it, maybe just skip through a few minutes. So it's called, My Abortion Saved My Life, and then Halsey on the End of Roe v. Wade. And so she said, I gave birth to my son on July 14th, 2021. It was a beautiful labor. I sat back, knees apart, with my partner by my side and laughed my way through delivering him. I was puzzled by the absence of tears. The hysterical euphoria was not what I had anticipated. I'd been flanked by nurses and doctors in a bed like this before, heaving through sobs and feeling blood trickle down my thighs like tiny spiders under my skin. I miscarried three times before my 24th birthday. It seemed a cruel irony that I could get pregnant with ease but struggled to maintain a pregnancy. One of my miscarriages required aftercare, a gentle way of saying that I would need an abortion because my body could not terminate the pregnancy completely on its own and I'd risk going into sepsis without medical intervention. During this procedure, I cried. I was afraid for myself and I was helpless. I was desperate to end the pregnancy that was threatening my life. I rewrote my will during the third trimester of my pregnancy, meaning the one that she's just carried through, After my past experiences, I was prepared for the worst. I gave detailed instructions regarding the donation of my organs should I die or be declared brain dead, meaning if my heart beat on but my brain wasn't functioning, the state would have permission to cut into my warm and still flush flesh and take my organs to save other lives. How funny that while my own heart would amount to nothing more than a series of involuntary movements on an operating table, a beating heart in my womb could mean I couldn't consent to saving my own life. This is what some people who wish to see the end of abortion rights believe is right. Many people have asked me if, since carrying a child to term after years of struggling to do so, I've reconsidered my stance on abortion. The answer is firmly no. In fact, I've never felt more strongly about it. My abortion saved my life and gave way for my son to have his. Every person deserves the right to choose when, if, and how they have this dangerous and life-altering experience. I will hold my son in one arm and fight with all my might with the other. And I just thought, what a fucking amazing piece that everyone needs to read or hear and, like,
2: Mm, think about. That last line was really, like, moving, and I think... That conversation about how it made way for new life in terms of her newly born son, that that wouldn't have happened if she wasn't able to. So it's just a redundant argument, the pro-life. Yeah, it's in the
1: way that she was talking about how like she can you can donate your beating heart. But, like, so if the, if you needed an abortion and you couldn't get it and you passed away, you could donate your beating heart to save another life, but you couldn't save your own life because they yeah. wouldn't let you get an abortion. Yeah, it just... The people on the Supreme Court. So, and and I thought it was really good that she said, like, she's had three miscarriages, she's now had a child, it's something she really wanted, Um, but she's still pro-abortion because she had to get one to save her literal life, so... Halsey, we love her. I think amazing.
2: Amazing. All of these people using their platforms and and telling these really really personal stories like that takes a lot of courage and strength. So it's amazing that she did that.
1: So it's not really like a naughty or a nice type of story, but just more like proud, proud that she's doing it sucks that she had to more of an Im- yeah.
2: important sort of story
1: anyway Liv, we are going to get into everything we need to know about our uh, kelly just after we hear from our wonderful sponsors this week
0: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place with linkedin you can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today
1: we are incredibly excited to be working with our mates at part-time ranges once again Fun fact for y'all, part-time rangers were actually our first ever podcast sponsor over on the shit
2: show. That was before we were even a proper business. So naturally, we love them. Yes, Luce, we also love that with every sip you take of one of their RTDs, like the pink rhino or the yellow elephant, you're actually saving wildlife. A portion of the proceeds from every can supports wildlife conservation across the globe, which is fucking amazing.
1: So that's from the big tusk elephants and rhinos in Africa to koalas in Australia and kiwi in New Zealand. There's just so much to love about part-time rangers.
2: And honestly, what better way to chill out than by listening to an episode of your favourite pop culture podcast while sipping on a cheeky part-time rangers bevy. I mean, cheers to that, Liv.
1: And to our besties who are over 18, please go and grab yourself some part-time rangers and save the wildlife while you sip.
2: So just a wee content warning for you guys, because this topic goes into sexual abuse, it goes into rape, it goes into underage, non-consensual sex, um, and pretty much everything under that umbrella. So if you you don't want to listen to it for whatever reason, absolutely just probably don't tune into this discussion. But we will be talking about Love Island um, in a separate podcast if you want something much lighter. Okay, so Luce, we are going to dive into the pretty horrific topic that is R. Kelly. The reason that we're talking about this now is because he has just been sentenced to 30 years in jail because of all of the fucked up shit that has been going on literally since the 1990s.
1: And Liv, off the bat, do you think that 30 years is just not enough for the myriad of things that this dude has done
2: no literally i mean he is like in his mid to late 50s so it could mean Mm. life for him yeah um
1: which but the precedent it sets that like all of this amounted
2: and the fact that he started sleeping with underage girls when he was like in his early 20s so he had 30 years of life where he was hailed as a fucking r&b legend and he was just like everything that he did was swept aside by pretty much Mm everyone and his fans, it's just wild that he only gets, yeah, 30 years when he's just had 30 years more of life, like, out and about.
1: Because he was doing
2: private settlement after private
1: settlement and it's like, that's not fucking good enough. Money shouldn't be able to buy you out of this. Anyway, anyway, as per, we've jumped into the big issues with the case before we've Outline what happened, so please take us through it.
2: Yeah, so as I said, after a long history of sexual abuse claims and evidence of sex cults, child pornography and a whole lot of other shit, R. Kelly has been charged for racketeering, sex trafficking, bribery and sexual abuse. He has been... Found guilty on all nine counts after hearing from six women that he sexually abused. So six women went on trial and were witnesses. And
1: six women. This is like six out of like, like I think the one guy interviewed like sixty-eight people that had things to say about whether yes. they were like people he abused or just people around it. Also, I had to Google what racketeering meant because I yes. it's getting thrown around. I didn't know, but it just means like dishonest business dealings like naughty business fraudulent shit
2: yeah so there was like a lot of that sort of criminal activity into woven into these stories so he was found guilty on one count of racketeering and then eight man act counts and the man act is a law that bars transporting transporting people across state lines for illegal sexual conduct so trafficking literally yeah, literally mm. trafficking. Um, So I think before we start off, I'm just going to give a sort of little bit of background on R. Kelly himself, kind of not explaining why this happened, but, you know, giving a bit of context on how people kind of become so evil, (laughs) I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was born in Chicago in the 70s. So as I said, I think he's like 55 now. Um, So from the age... Of 8 to 14, R. Kelly has spoken outwardly quite a few times to the media about being sexually abused by an older female family member. He was also allegedly sexually abused by an older male who was a friend of the family during this time. And when you hear him talk about it, he kind of says how this really awakened his sexuality far too early. So, just made him kind of obsessed with sex I think from the get-go which is obviously really sad because he was a kid that was out of his control yeah
1: and it's hard to I mean he basically copy pasted that behavior and then started doing it like tenfold which absolutely is I mean it's hard to break that cycle when you've got no one there helping you break it but it's also like I have no sympathy for this dude
2: yeah and it it's, I think with him, it's all been about power and control. So, you know, when you're sexually abused as a child, um, from what psychologists and survivors say, that you really feel like your power is taken away from you um, through sex and you have no control over your body anymore. And so, for those, that small amount of people who this happens to them in their childhood and then they become the perpetrator, it's sort of reclaiming that control, I guess, mm. is like always the quest. And when we kind of talk about what he actually did to these women and and some men, all of these people, mm. um, it really shows that control was absolutely at the center of everything mm. for him. So basically R. Kelly, I think he was... He wasn't that well off when he was young. He sort of talks about coming from nothing. And his mum was a singer in the church and his whole family was kind of really into music. And in 1989, he formed a band called MGM, which stands for, is either musically gifted men or mentally gifted men, which already shows the very narcissistic kind of yeah. way that he thinks about himself. Um and they won a talent show called Big Break, and that kind of led to R. Kelly getting signed to Jive Records. So I think his career really took off from then. And then in 1992, R. Kelly was introduced to Aaliyah, and she was only 12. Lucy, you know who Aaliyah is?
1: Yeah, we spoke about her. And the should is it ethical to release an artist's music after yes. they died? So. Yeah, I sort of knew a bit about the story that
2: you're about to go into. Yeah, she tragically died in a plane accident in her 20s, but she, I think, was kind of a little bit before our time, but was huge in the R&B mm-hmm. scene. She was kind of like the princess of r and R. Kelly was actually her producer and, and wrote a lot of her album um, that came out when she was 14. And people were sort of speculating that they were having sexual contact when she was only 13 or 14 years old. And the first album, very ironically, was called Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. And this seemed to be a reoccurring theme with R. Kelly. He Mm. would kind of blatantly express what was going on and kind of hide behind that. Like, a lot of his music was really overtly sexual. He'd almost, like... Sing about what was going on in his life, but because it was so out there, it was like he was hiding in plain sight. Yeah. And then in 1994, he illegally married Aaliyah. He was 27 and she was only 15. And I think it was his tour manager actually forged documents for Aaliyah to say that she was 18 years old. The marriage was then later annulled a couple of months later by Aaliyah's family. So they obviously got in there and were like fuck this r kelly actually impregnated Aaliyah, and that's how the whole relationship came out because before that there's a lot of interviews of them together and people speculating it's even fucked up that he'd go into an interview she was like 14 years old and then the interview person would kind of be like are you guys together or like alluding to the fact that they could be together yeah like and it's like she's 14 She's fucking 14. This is
1: actually interesting off the back of also the Elvis movie just coming out and Elvis and Priscilla's relationship when, again, she was
2: 14. I found that so interesting that that was totally glossed over in the Elvis movie Mm. because, I mean, this is another topic of discussion, but this shit would happen all the time. It's like Jerry Lee Lewis, he married his 13-year-old cousin (sighs) um, and he was... He was big around the Alvisera era, I think. That would actually and, be a good
1: podcast episode in terms of, like, even we're seeing young celebrities today like um, Billie Eilish and Olivia Rodrigo dating people that are actually quite a bit
2: older than them and mm, where this whole phenomenon, like, sits. This whole thing where, like, celebrities get a hall pass when it comes to age. Yeah. Anyway, um, back to Aaliyah. Yeah, so after this marriage to Aaliyah was annulled, um, in 1996, so... I think a a year or two later, a girl called Tiffany Hawkins filed a lawsuit alleging that Kelly started having sex with her when she was 15, and this ended up being settled for a quarter of a million dollars. And then at the end of 2000, there were two investigations made by police around Kelly having sex with underage females, but these were dropped due to a lack of cooperation um, by the girls accusing him. So this was actually quite a common theme because obviously... If you're accusing someone and this has happened to you, you're very much implicated. So, And people really worry about being like blacklisted from the music industry and just he would make a whole lot of threats. It was a very scary place for these victims to be. I also saw a really
1: good article that was discussing why he sort of got away with it for so long. And and a lot of his victims were like young black women who Mm -hmm. people don't believe as much as they would believe a young white woman that was coming forward. And so even though R. Kelly himself at the time was a younger black man, they would believe him every time over them. And so there was all this systemic shit at play in their fucking system over there as well.
2: Oh, absolutely. I think that's kind of like the core conversation or kind of core theme of this whole thing is the fact that there's real racist undertones in terms of, yeah, if if he was doing this to white women, yeah. it would have been stopped far, far sooner. Fuck, Just yeah. how a lot of people are saying that black women can be seen at the at the bottom of the... Hierarchy of you know people caring about them, which is just so so fucked up. And we'll talk about that a little more later on. But so in the early two thousands, there was all of this shit going on. I mean, honestly, countless lawsuits, countless people coming out about him, and him just basically either yeah paying them out or rejecting the fact that it was him. All of this sort of shit. And then in two thousand and two, a sex tape of him. Um, having sex with a 14-year-old started circulating. So now there's video evidence, right? So this was actually talked about extensively in the series Surviving R. Kelly, which I would definitely recommend watching if you are really interested in this. It's super, super detailed. I mean, it's pretty upsetting, um, but they talk firsthand to a whole lot of the survivors of the R. Kelly case. But basically, one of the girls that, talks a lot on surviving R Kelly said that at the time she was sort of like his girlfriend I think she was still a teenager maybe like 17 18 and he used to make her have sex with this young girl and with him sort of thing and he would videotape that happening and later on the the girlfriend found out that the girl was only 14 and felt like ill because R Kelly had lied to her about her age I mean, there was a whole lot of psychological abuse going on within that relationship anyway. But basically in this video, it shows him like urinating on the 14 year old as well. So like there's just a whole lot of really, really fucked up shit going on. And the thing is, there was like a Dave Chappelle skit where they kind of were taking the piss, ironically, out of this kind of incident And it shows how, like, pop culture at the time and the media, they were just kind of taking the piss out of this whole situation again, not taking it seriously for the absolutely horrific event that it was. And
1: it's like, well, what they did to Britney, like, as well, like, everyone just made a joke of it. And it's actually really interesting how much the media. I mean, it's not a hot take to say forms public opinion, but even like the surviving R. Kelly documentary or documentary series is one of the reasons why we are now giving so much attention to like The fucked up, like it helped the trial really be pieced together. and like A hundred percent.
2: Yeah, and it wasn't sort of till because that came out in 2019 and there was a BuzzFeed article written in 2017 which kind of got that ball rolling as well. So it's like a really, really long time, 17 years from these allegations, right? So kind of back to this 14-year-old girl situation. So the singer Sparkle... Have you ever heard of Sparkle? I don't think so. I hadn't either. But she was on Surviving R. Kelly and she was talking about how the 14-year-old in the video was actually her niece. And she had introduced R. Kelly to her niece while she was making music with R. Kelly, obviously not knowing, you know, what the fuck would That happen. he was a fucking predator. Yeah, absolutely. So... Then what happened was that it actually, once the video circulated in the media, R. Kelly went to court um, and he got, he went to court on grounds for child pornography because that was kind of the easiest thing that they could try and get him for. And basically what happened was that the 14-year-old girl said that it wasn't her. The father of the 14-year-old girl came out and also said that it wasn't her, obviously, to like protect her but i think just not understanding the wider implications of doing so and so this was in 2008 so still quite a long time after this video circulated and he got found not guilty for all counts and it kind of gave him this like clean slate in the media and so people started trusting him again which is just so so fucked up isn't it just
1: like wild that you can have the Mm -hmm. plainest evidence that something happened like a legit video and because of the way the law is all about interpreting words and what people say and what the law is even with evidence you can be like no not guilty and then the media can be like clean slate even though we all see this video like why is the words of this old fucking law and the way you've interpreted it more like legitimate in your eyes than the video it is, of it actually happening that's it's, just
2: it is dumb. absolutely wild and his defense at this time was like oh i'm not the person in the video i'm not the person in the video his lawyers even threw his brother under the bus r kelly's brother saying oh we think it might actually be r kelly's brother like, what? Like, how, like what an evil Who's man. believing that? Like, bleh. Literally. So that all happened in 2008. And then it was kind of quiet for a bit, and then there were a few more people coming out, a few more allegations. And then, as I said, in 2017, uh, an article was published by a reporter called Jim Derogatis, um, and he was kind of the driving force, I think, in the media landscape. Uh, He's the one that really just kind of dedicated his professional life to researching R. Kelly and kind of trying to out everything, which is amazing. But yeah, so it took till 2017 um, for this article to come out, and it was kind of based around three sets of parents that had come out to say that R. Kelly was holding their daughters captive in an abusive cult. So... Basically, what he would do is, as you said, loose, a lot of these girls were aspiring singers or whatever, and that was his power, right so all of these all of these young women, I think some young men, but mainly young women um at this point, he wasn't necessarily going for underage women, but you know if the if the legal age was sixteen, he would be going for sixteen if it was seventeen in that state, he'd be going for seventeen year olds That was sort of how he would work to try and try and get out of that sort of claim, but he would Entice young women in who were aspiring to get into the music industry and they would see him as their big break and then he would hang out with them and be like to his parents yeah yeah we're gonna make music like I'm gonna help mentor them everything like this and then the hangouts would turn sexual and then because of their power he held over their careers they would literally do anything that he told them to do and you know the psychological abuse would start really small just things like He'd get everyone to call him daddy and all of this fucked up shit. But then it would get more and more intense to the point where he was literally having like multiple girls live in a house at a time. He would say they all got a guest room. And then he was fully in control of them. So he would tell them when to go to the bathroom, when to eat. Some girls were locked in a room with no food for three days. Like, he would give a bucket to them in the corner of the room, and that's where they went to the toilet. Like, it's so fucked up. So can you imagine what he was telling them to do sexually?
1: Like, the way that I keep coming back to the 30-year sentence for this Mm -hmm. is like, Sorry, but he was literally torturing them. I also know that, like, he's actually being sentenced in a bunch of different states, like, like after this trial. Like, he might right. get more time. So this isn't the be-all and end-all of, well, it should be the be-all and end-all of him, but it isn't the be-all and end-all of his sentencing. But I'm just like, what you're describing there, Liv, is literally, aside from murder, one of the worst things you can do a person yeah
2: he would break them down so much that they thought he was the only person that would ever love them in the world you know that classic cycle of you know you're not loved by anyone but me what would you do if you left yeah just totally breaking down their self-confidence so under the law they were in consensual relationships but because because they could leave if they wanted to leave but but he had abused them emotionally so much that they felt like they were trapped. So a lot of these parents were like, we haven't seen our daughter for three years. We know that they're living with R. Kelly and we're trying to get them out. But they're they're over 18 or, you know, they're over the legal age that they can't actually force them to come home. So they were literally like, our daughters have all been brainwashed. Yeah, that's why
1: they're giving people are saying it's cult-like because it,
2: is. Oh, absolutely. Um, here's an excerpt from an article article explaining what had happened to one of the one of the girls that he had been controlling. Said that Mister Kelly would beat them with extension cords, belts, shoes, whatever you could think of. Um, once, when this woman didn't come over to Mister Kelly when he beckoned her at a party, he pulled her hair out. Um, Mr. Kelly left her on a tour bus for three days without food or water. An assistant sneaked her some, her mother said, um, and the longest she was ever locked away by herself was for a week and a half. And so the thing is with R. Kelly as well, he had this whole entourage that was allowing this to happen like so many people knew about this so many people would go to the house and see these women but they either were just so obsessed with you know r kelly and his star power or they too were you know really fucking scared of him that this was just going on for literally decades
1: like that's jeffrey epstein vibes right there having that entourage of people that will not only like enable you but they low-key want to reap the benefits Mm -hmm. of having you know whether I don't know whether they're involved in some of the abuse or whatever but it's like they wouldn't just be around because they liked R. Kelly like you said there's other reasons they either want what he's giving them or they're scared of him
2: yeah or yeah a bit of both and The fucked up thing is what always happens is that, you know, when this is coming out and when people are hearing about it, people don't, first of all, blame R. Kelly. A lot of people were then saying, oh, well, it's the parents' fault. It's the parents' fault for letting their kids, you know, make music with him. It's like, how crazy is that, that we blame the parents? They probably didn't know about his history. He's this fucking huge superstar. Maybe they needed the money. Maybe they just, like, wanted to see their child's dreams come true you know and a lot of these parents were like they were a little bit kind of fuck we're not that happy about this so we are making sure that one of us is there in every situation um but it would still he'd still somehow you know get into the girl's mind and then as soon as they're old enough and out of their parents control then they can legally do what they want to do this is a quote from um from 2017 from his lawyer at the time, so R. Kelly's lawyer, so the person that was trying to you know get him off any charges etc they said we can only wonder why folks would persist in defaming a great artist who loves his fans works 24/7 and takes care of all of the people in his life he works hard to become the best person and artist he, he can be it is interesting that stories and tales debunked many years ago turn up when his goal is to stop violence put down the guns and embrace peace and love i suppose that is the price of fame like all of us mr kelly deserves a Personal life please respect that like how fucked up is it that that's the narrative that they're pushing
1: and how morally bankrupt do you have to be to be able to be the lawyer for r kelly like i saw and and i think it's double hard when you see like a woman lawyer in there as well defending him which i know is like maybe it's misogynistic of me to say how could you as a woman be defending this guy that's hurt this many women but I couldn't believe it when I saw it It might have been just someone on his team or someone saying like he should only get ten years because he's not a threat to the
2: public. I'm
1: like, what is he then? Like
2: he is a threat. How the fuck is he not a threat to the public? He was getting rent he was going into malls, looking around for women, getting his entourage to go up to like sixteen-year-old girls at the mall and be like, R. Kelly wants to get to know you, here's his number, call him, and that's how he would find a lot of the girls. He would like walk like go to high
1: well, school. anyone that is literally is not? a like perpetrator of sexual assault is a threat to the like literally textbook threat to the public like that I mean that was denied them asking he should get 10 years minimum sentence was didn't de- mm. well rightly so denied but I'm just like me and Ruby were watching it and we were just thinking how could you defend how could you as a lawyer and you could no amount of money in the world would make no how can yeah. you sleep
2: at night? How can you,
1: literally when yeah. there's video of him abusing anything? and like urinating on a 14 year old, how can you be like, no, like you guys are just yeah, jealous of his fame or whatever. Like, it's,
2: it's just, yeah, disgusting. And the fandom thing is really interesting here, Luce, because some of the girls that he would get, well, most of them were pretty much all his fans but some were even like during that 2008 trial it was kind of like the Johnny Depp Amber Heard situation where people would go outside the courthouse and protest and be like it's not him in the video like we love R. Kelly like you know being like super we're team R. Kelly or whatever Um, and then he used that opportunity like literally he was on trial for Child pornography and sleeping with underage girls. He would then find people that were no. outside of the court, and like as he was walking out, hand them his number. I'm gobsmacked. Literally, like, and this isn't. This is like the tip of the iceberg. Like, if you go and watch Surviving R Kelly or you read up on the mute R Kelly movement, which I'm about to talk about, um, you will see that literally there's so 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 much more than where you, he he's given. Um, people herpes purposefully, um, and he 's had to pay out a whole lot of people for yeah like not disclosing that he had sexually transmitted infections, and just of course he didn 't give a fuck, did he but so now kind of let 's turn a little bit more positive to see what sort of was happening around the 2017 mark when people were coming to terms with this whole story and being like how the fuck is he still walking a free man um so this is where the mute r kelly movement came in so in july 2017 oronike odilei um was the founder of this mute r kelly movement so it was when she was informed that r kelly was booked to perform at fulton county on facility in atlanta um, that she was like i need to do something about this this is taxpayers money that you know taxpayers money from my town are helping to fund this sexual predator to play in our space um So she said, someone had to stand up for black women, and if I wasn't willing to do my part, no matter how small, then I couldn't continue to complain. It's time for us to end this man's career. Enough is beyond enough. So she kind of took it upon herself to do everything in her power to just get people wound up about everything that was happening with r kelly and the fact that he hadn't been convicted for anything and i think it was a lot of like online activism a lot of anywhere that he was they would protest they would write to places to be like how can you let him perform and slowly but surely they got a lot of his shows either like cancelled or just made it really really hard for him to play so this is again when people started started to take notice um but yeah it's just crazy how it's 2022 now and he's only just being convicted it's fucking wild and like ignition will play in bars yes. and pubs
1: and clubs still like no qualms i mean for our age group because i don't know many of r kelly's songs like obviously the really famous ones but it's like i can't go to his Spotify and listen to his whole discography so that if I hear it somewhere, then I can tell them to stop playing it. Like, I don't, like, we shouldn't be doing that because we don't want to give him streams, you know? Yeah. So it's like, for our age group, I feel like we're really doing what we can, but it is on the people that were, unfortunately, his fans and know his whole discography to hear it. And then if it's playing in a bar on the radio or whatever, ring up
2: and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely kind of miss the R. Kelly Craze. Like I Sign. didn't I didn't know many of his songs. I mean, like, except for I Believe I Can Fly, which is <laughs> just So, 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 so fucked. Um, Kind of a narcissistic song when you think about it. Super narcissistic. This was the thing about him. Everyone said R. Kelly just thought he was invincible. And so when he got acquitted in 2008 and found not guilty, he was just like, literally, I can't be touched by anyone, not even the law. Like, he thought he was God. He still thinks he's God. He still thinks that he's done nothing wrong and doesn't get the... like, the fact that he likes younger girls if they're above age, like, what's wrong with that? That's a preference. Oh, my God. So, so ridiculous. So, yeah, I think it's just a really interesting conversation about, you know, his his cultural power, his monetary power, his power over the people that were around him, and maybe the fact that they felt really amazing being in his presence and them also getting kind of secondhand power through him. Um, Mm. and just the whole kind of culture at the time, the fact that that what was on the media was piss stakes rather than taking this shit seriously. And it is nice to see that the cultural kind of landscape has changed so dramatically. But it just is baffling to me that this was happening. Like, Lady Gaga made a song with him in 2013. Mm. Like, Celine Dion did all of this shit with him, like, mary j blige like all of these people and
1: literally you when this person has been well he's been convicted now but like so widely reported on and there's videos of him doing this shit like you can't really separate the art like recording a good song with this dude from mm-hmm. uh actually he's abusive to young women like yeah to those that's just money yeah
2: And the thing is, they would have probably known more than the public at that point in time. Because if you're in the industry, I'm sure the rumors are rampant. Oh
1: my God, yeah. I'm sure when they went into the studio, it was like, now just watch out. Like While you're in there recording your fucking hit song that's going to make you millions, watch out for this guy. And it's like, oh, just avoid him.
2: Just avoid it. Put him in jail. I would never understand. And a lot of those celebrities did um, deny they didn't want to be on Surviving R. Kelly. I think John Legend was on it. Mm. Um, but a lot of them, yeah, said that they didn't want to talk on it. So how interesting is that? That's pretty interesting. Damn, Liv. Yeah, so there's a whole lot more to the story, like a whole lot more, but this is all we've got time for. So that that's that. <laughs> I feel like, Liv, that was a good rundown for me.
1: Who knew minimal? I feel like now I have a more rounded view of especially like why
2: it went on for so long yeah and I think it made me realize that it's important to research these things like I had never researched R. Kelly before I knew that you know you shouldn't listen to his music that he I knew he kind of was a bit of a sexual deviant but apart from that like I really didn't know the ins and outs and so it just shows that by doing like the tiniest bit of research you can really I don't know, just become informed and then make informed decisions on the music that you are listening to and the things you are consuming because that's your power. That's what I was
1: about to say. Like, doing it in hindsight after the trial being, like, over or whatever is not a bad thing. Like, still go back. Well, that's why we fucking have culture vultures. Still, like, get informed so that then the next time this happens, which it definitely will, not to be cynical, but it will, you can be like, oh, I saw that happen Already, with three other trials that I've watched, I'm switching that music off because there's 60 other thousand songs being uploaded today to Spotify that you could yeah, choose to listen to. Exactly. Anyway, Liv, speaking of new songs being uploaded to Spotify, on my radar this week is, I'm just going to dodge it because it's a good segue, um, July 15th, which is Ruby's birthday, Lizzo's dropping a new album. Oh, amazing. What a good birthday present. Thanks, Lizzo. I know. And then towards the end of July, on the same day, I think it's the week after, Beyonce and Maggie Rogers are dropping new albums. So you will have other... Better
2: music. And I have to listen loved to. both of the Maggie Rogers singles so, so much. I know. Little Joy's is literally my favorite song at the moment. Oh, I'm obsessed. Mine's also on the music side of things, Loose. My recommendation is that Everything I Know About Love soundtrack. It's really fucking good. Nice. Dolly has really good nice. music taste. She makes actually a lot of mixtapes. I think she's got like hundreds of mixtapes that she's been making for years. So that's also another recommendation is to go into her. Spotify and see all of her music um, because I think it shows just a lot about her as a person and it really shines through in the show so I love it and also um,
1: Liv and I and Ruby all have our own Spotify playlist that we collect all these songs that we talk about on our radar like we collect any songs that we're vibing with at the moment or that sort of make us feel certain type of things and if you're a Cisco supporter then you have access to all of these playlists that we have and Honestly, I listen to all three of ours all the mm, so time. So do I. Because I'm my go tos.
2: And I know when I'm listening to a Lucy playlist and a Ruby playlist. So it's fun. Yes, same. So, love, we're about to go and record a big old Love Island debrief. So, naturally, listen to that. We are loose. I think we need it after this kind of really horrible conversation. So that will be great. That'll be great.
1: And thank you to part-time rangers for sponsoring this episode. We love them. I love saving wildlife while I sip on a bevy. Absolutely. And thank you to Tiahe Butler, our wonderful producer slash voice of God, that we hear through our little earpieces as we're back this week with us, which is really nice. Such a blessing. Anyway, see you on the Love Island podcast. I'm wrapping this up. See you later.